0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Negotiation. This episode is part two of our discussion with Louis Udar, founder of Creative Capital. He is also an entrepreneur, business and investment coach, board member, and advisor to many startup companies. The back half of our conversation here starts off with Louis sharing insights on how the world is truly changing from a geographical and category angle when it comes to Chinese brands, especially in the West. He highlights why better positioned product categories are necessary for Chinese brands to succeed in the West. We also explore brand loyalty, the relationship between the success of Western brands in China and Chinese brands' increasing competency managing the whole product life cycle. We also asked Louis to talk about some of the other geographies where Chinese brands are successful that we might not expect. We close out the conversation with Louis talking about the startup and entrepreneurial ecosystems in China. Enjoy.
1: Some consumers would go Louis Vuitton head to toe because of a statue symbol it would uh, recognize. And and there is still a great market for uh, uh, Louis Vuitton and some of his beautiful luxury brands. There's also new markets because I think the pie is just getting bigger. Today in the Gen Z and and younger consumer, uh, thanks partly to the social network and kind of KOL industry, niche is the new big. So so it used to be a time where you wanted to uh, show to your friends on WeChat that you had uh, the latest big luxury brand. Now, lots of younger consumers are also happy to introduce an unknown brand, good quality brand, that they purchased to their friends on the social network, putting themselves in the shoes of a, of a
0: My name is Todd Embley, and welcome to The Negotiation, brought to you by WPIC Marketing and Technologies. I want to talk to you a little bit about Chinese brands being successful in the West, because I don't want to get ahead of myself and and say too much, but I think we can safely say that Chinese brands have met some headwinds in their attempts to really be quite successful in the West. Do you agree or disagree with that statement and why?
1: I think it's really changing. I, I think if I would agree with, with this statement maybe f- a few years ago, uh, and, and I really see the world uh, changing uh, through, 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 I think, different um, angle, through uh, geographical angle, and also through a category angle. Um, I will start by the uh, geographical angle. So uh, if you look, so I used to have an office in uh, in Jakarta and going to uh, Southeast Asia and Jakarta, for instance, uh, um, I, I was the last couple of years. Amazed to see the rise of so many Chinese brands, so many Chinese brands in the retail space with uh, brands like uh, Miniso or Mumuso, which are kind of $1 stores, but with a very strong concept and doing uh, uh, very well. Um, so plenty of uh, uh, retailers brands uh, opening right now in, in Southeast Asia. Um, in terms of uh, category wise, I think um, so we've got uh, uh, um, tech product. I mean, uh, Xiaomi now is doing a, a very good job uh, entering the uh, Western market. There is a big flagship of Xiaomi stores uh, all around uh, Europe. In the car category, uh, you can see now in uh, Paris, uh, Lincoln Co, uh, uh Chinese cars um, in um, in the luxury um, uh, icicle, uh, which is the Chinese um, uh, premium fashion brand. Um, now has three or four stores uh, in Paris and and they are doing fairly fairly well. Um, On the um, uh, cosmetics uh, side, so cosmetic lots of them are in Southeast Asia, but also here uh, some uh, great Chinese brands looking at the uh, European and uh, US market. Um, On the tech products, so we are not going to talk again about uh, uh, WeChat, but uh, uh, Ali is doing lots of investments in uh, Europe. Uh, You also have obviously uh, uh, TikTok, uh, which is uh, uh, owned by uh, uh, ByteDance, which is uh, do- uh, doing so, so. So I think it's very much uh, changing, and we see more and more Chinese brands under different categories. So I've, I've listed the retail, I've listed fashion, I've listed uh, tech, uh, car. Uh, we could add computers with Lenovo. So 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 the, the world is definitely changing, and, and I think what I find. Interesting is when, when, when we make this parallel with Chinese consumers, which a couple of years ago would have a tendency in many product categories to prefer Western brands. I think today Chinese consumers tend to prefer better brands. So they don't really care where the brand is from as long as it's a good brand, relevant to their need, um, and, and talking uh, to their uh, lifestyle.
0: Let me ask you a question about better brand. Do you think that this is uh, again? I, I don't want to paint with broad brushes, but there was a status component to a brand that you used or held or carried. Is this move to just better brand? Is it for better product? Is it is it an appreciation for better quality, better function, or is it because the status? um has started to equalize
1: okay it's it's a it's a, here again it's a very very complex question just because china is such a big country and therefore chinese consumers are so diverse and 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 so different or so, so so uh i'm gonna answer by by kind of very Kind of, I'm afraid to run further, sorry, in too much of a, a cliche
0: way. Yeah, tier one, tier two, you know, yeah, it, it is vastly different. Yeah, I mean, I guess Ballpark, a couple of years
1: ago, cons- some consumers would go Louis Vuitton head to toe because of a statue symbol it would uh, recognize. And, and there is still a great market for uh, Louis Vuitton and some of his beautiful uh, luxury brands. There's also... Uh, New markets, because I think the pie is just getting bigger uh, today in the Gen Z and, and younger consumer, uh, thanks partly to the social network and kind of KOL industry, niche is the new big. So, so it used to be a time where you wanted to uh, show to your friends on WeChat that you had uh, the latest big luxury brand. Now, l- lots of younger consumers are also happy to introduce an unknown brand, good quality brand uh, that they purchased to their friends on the social network putting themselves in the shoes of a, of a KOL. You don't know this brand. However, me, I'm cool and I found it. And then there's also another layer of, of consumers. Uh, this actually probably a little bit more on the uh, um, um, uh, educated tech uh, uh, male uh, consumers is uh, on all the ecosystem that Xiaomi uh, has built, including um, platform where consumers, um, uh, where uh, suppliers, actually uh, factories can plug in very good product at a good design and at a fair price. New type of consumers who d- just want, uh, as what we say in Chinese, xinjiabi which is great value for money. There's maybe not a, a famous logo on it, but the product is just... A great product, well made at a
0: fair price. Do you find working with Chinese companies uh, on their, you know, creative and and helping them kind of go global? Are you trying to work with them to potentially head off stereotypes? And I and I and I say this, and and I'll use my own words, um, and they're not yours, that they're rise to prominence globally from even a GDP perspective, was the foundation of that was built on manufacturing. And they were one of the cheapest, least regulated places in the world for a lot of manufacturers to go during a certain period of time in in the past. I always felt that as so far as that was going to get them a very long way to becoming one of the most important countries in the world from a GDP and, and, and everything perspective that this might also become their handicap or their, their blocker to get to the highest of level, because let's just call it what it is. Some people thought cheap when they thought of Chinese brands. So do you find, do you think that that is still something today that you have to deal with.
1: I, I think it's really changing. I mean, um, 20, 30 years ago, people would say Korean cars are cheap. 40, 50 years ago, people would say Japanese cars are cheap. And or they, they produce, I mean, they, they've been producing for a long time, amazing car. And, and I think and I think we're really coming to this uh, uh, point in uh, in China. China has been producing for the world for many, many years, but has been also producing for uh, their own Chinese uh, consumers many great products. So there's maybe in some markets still a little bit of a perception, uh, and you can find uh, cheap and bad quality product made in China as you could find cheap and bad quality product made in France or in the U.S., but there's so many great products of great quality being made uh, um, today in China, and I think more and more consumers are um, realizing uh, this sort the, of, the, uh, this I think not that much of a need to spend too much time on uh, on uh, on uh, uh, I don't know what, what word to use, but on
0: on uh, uh, changing the the consumer uh, 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 mindset, consumers and company owners and brands. There is a lot of pride. In who they are and what they do, and I feel that there is a lag in the West of the understanding that that pride is now translating into pride of manufacturing, pride of craftsmanship, uh, and and pride of quality. That I think if you don't already see it in the West, you're going to be realizing it quite soon. Because and and, and I think that that is is in large part going to be driving. The fact that they're they're done with that stereotype and they want to put that behind them.
1: Hundred percent agree. Of course, yeah, I agree, on I on think, and on, that's where many Chinese brands have been doing a great job for Chinese consumers, also in really understanding their need and and being very dynamic in customizing what they need. And I think that's what um, many Western brands or non-Chinese brands are now more and more. uh, Chinese consumers are becoming some of the more demanding consumers in the world. They want the latest product. They want the best quality product. And therefore, you really cannot uh, cheat them. And if they feel that they are being cheated by the brand serving them, uh, it can be very much fatal for the brand.
0: Yeah, A question, something we used to talk about a couple of years ago on the show and i don't think we brought it up in a while so i'd like to get an updated viewpoint on brand loyalty so how important like we talk about like if they feel like they've been cheated from what i know in the past loyalty was thing it was very hard to get but once you get it it was hard to lose would you say that's still today very important
1: today consumers uh, except for i mean like Super sticky product like uh, uh, WeChat, for instance, and some some on even actually uh, uh, on actually even it's interesting when when you look at uh, uh, Baidu today most of the search. Uh, For younger consumers, it's going to be done uh, through uh, uh, Tencent and and doing. So so, so actually, uh, there's also a change there. Uh, I think consumers are even less loyal uh, today than yesterday. Uh, And they they really want something which is meaningful to them today. And and what was good for them yesterday is maybe not good today, and it will probably not even be uh, or will not be also good for
0: them tomorrow. Do you think the West needs to start paying close attention and potentially learning from what's happening in the East and and in China and what brands are doing just from a product or a marketing or a sales or a social or a brand experience, creativity, point of view? And and if so, and I I know I'm leading you with that, but what should be, what should the West be paying attention to?
1: What I've learned so much uh, in China is the, the, speed to market, and capacity of execution in a, in a very uh, complex market. And I think in a market changing, on a world uh, changing very quickly, I think this is definitely something that we can learn from, from China and Chinese companies and Chinese entrepreneurs to be e- even more flexible and quick to adapt.
0: Okay. What about uh, Chinese brands being successful, successful in the West? Are there some product categories that you think... Chinese brands could be better positioned to be successful in the West more so than other product categories?
1: Um, So category that comes uh, to me are obviously a lot. I think I'm very impressed in what's happening in the uh, automotive and EV industry in China. I mean, a couple of years ago, Only uh, in the tier one cities, it was going to be the big Western brands. Uh, uh, Now there's a complete switch uh, to this. And a little bit like what Tesla has managed to achieve by not necessarily coming from an automotive background, but by breaking piece on piece and putting the things together. I think Chinese car, EV companies, uh, and all the investments in the electric battery, uh, I have very big hope for for some uh, big winners. There's probably too many of them, and some also will die. But but I think very big winners in the EV category uh, in China. Uh, obviously, tech products. Uh, tech. Pro- when I mean by tech products, I'm talking uh, mobile phones and, and computers and uh, uh, and so on. I mean uh, most of the supply chain is in China. Many of the big innovation hub of uh, these Western company have been uh, now developing in China, L- lots of amazing Chinese uh, um, uh, innovation center in China. So, so obviously on this product category, um, I also um, uh, see some some lots of interesting things. Um, on another category, which has been uh, where we've seen lots of investment in the Western world, is on the uh, Amazon FBA aggregator space, and obviously. Uh, a massive chunk of his um, uh, brand uh, that you can find on Amazon for all sorts of uh, different types of products actually coming directly uh, from uh, Chinese uh, factories doing a great job at producing uh, good quality products at a, at a fair price.
0: As Chinese brands start to become increasingly more proficient at the, the full product lifecycle of creative uh, or ideation, manufacturing, go to market, scale, you know, branding, marketing. Do you think that may create a bit of a problem for Western brands, or make it more difficult for Western brands to start having success in China?
1: I think it really come back to my to my point to consumers. I think what's important for brands to continue to be relevant is to bring something to the consumers. So so if a foreign brand is coming with a lousy product at an expensive price, well, I mean, it should not be successful in China. And and, uh, a Chinese brand with a lousy product on a bad value for money, um, uh, bad value for money uh, uh, proposition will also not be successful. I think we are entering into an interesting market where you need to be better. You need to have something to uh, offer to the consumer. So if you are very strong in your own key market and really bring some very interesting uh, products solving consumers' needs. Uh, and this is not uh, existing uh, on the same category, is not very interesting. And then there's definitely a market for you. And then on the top of this, there is this on, more of the experience on the premium uh, side of product. I think everything which is linked to experience on bringing a test of something uh, new and, and exotic and, and fun, I think also has value
0: there. In a nutshell, if you can be competitive, you will be competitive. Yeah, yeah exactly. Last question, uh, just to, to tie this one together: Where in the world, geographically, are Chinese brands being quite successful outside of China? Areas that we may not be, that we may not expect or know that they're being very successful in?
1: Indonesia. So, so as I was mentioning, I, I used to have a, an office in Jakarta, and on its. Amazing how many Chinese companies are doing a great job in Indonesia, which is uh, which in a way makes sense. I mean, when you think about it, there's a um, uh, an important uh, Chinese Indo- Indonesian community who look at uh, uh, China because they're going to have a family or relatives there, and therefore are looking at inspiration or connection there to to distribute uh, these brands in, in Indonesia. Very big market, obviously. I mean, a very big market in terms of population. It's, it's one of the uh, uh, biggest uh, country uh, in the world and, and growing fast. So, of course, it's, um, it provides, uh, a hope and opportunity for uh uh for some chinese uh, uh some chinese brands uh, um i've i've seen chinese brands in dubai i was in dubai in a couple of months ago and i've seen uh, uh, mumuso who used to be one of my uh, clients having stores in dubai i know they're also in uh, mexico and in uh, kazakhstan and, and many other places so so uh, you might see some chinese brands in paris mini is in paris but you you're also going to find them in uh non european or american uh, north american American uh, countries where they're going to be also uh, uh, looking at uh, Latin America, Middle East and
0: uh, and Southeast Asia. Can you draw any reasoning potentially this might be an unfair question by the way, but why those areas? Is there any kind of tie culturally, logistically any reason why those countries are really showing so much more success than maybe other areas initially as, as the Chinese brands explode everywhere?
1: I guess when you look at Southeast Asia, for instance, some part of Southeast Asia, fast-growing economy. Uh, with uh, fast-growing middle class who want to live better, who want to consume better, these are p- patterns that uh, China has experienced uh, a couple of years ago. So, so therefore, their products brands um, are very much fitted to uh, answer to this uh, new way of consuming and lifestyle. And then on the top of this, you, you can add up, of course, the uh, geographical uh, proximity uh, and, and in some instance, uh, uh, cultural proximity. Although, of course, I mean, uh, Asia and Southeast Asia is a very big place with lots
0: of diversity. I want to, the last kind of category of, of conversation is about entrepreneurship. And we've had uh, we've had a lot of Chinese based entrepreneurs on the show, not meaning that they were Chinese so much as so many people were successful at being an entrepreneur by being in China. I I, I just I think that it was such a great spot. If you wanted to be an entrepreneur, you and I both know how, how painful it is. And it's it's super painful to be an entrepreneur anywhere but it is so much extra of all of it uh, when you're doing it in China. Talk to us uh, a, a little bit about what the startup and entrepreneurial kind of community and ecosystem is like in China.
1: Incredibly vibrant. I mean, I, I'm, 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 I'm French, I, I'm French from Paris. Uh, lots of hardworking people there, but I mean, lifestyle is is also very important. And and what's really something which I, being an entrepreneur, being incredibly passionate about what I've been doing. Something which been very vibrant and and absolutely amazing for me in China is how much passion is there in all the entrepreneurs I've I've seen and and foreign and obviously, mostly Chinese entrepreneurs who really, from morning to evening, from Monday to Sunday, only think about growing their business, solving their problems. Uh, um, And and I think it's something quite, uh, uh, quite unique. I mean, Never, ever, ever stop. And, and coming back to my agency, one of the reasons I think we, we managed to to grow on being successful is I was will adapt. I mean, by passion, clients would call me on a Saturday afternoon at four o'clock in a four o'clock asking me what I was doing or asking me for for, for a meeting at seven o'clock on a Saturday evening. I would just go. Uh, I would just go and I would do the same thing on the Sunday morning. And in the agency business, that was interesting because the weekend was actually really lots of the time. I had time to meet lots of my clients running uh, way bigger uh, companies than, than mine because that was the only time that, where they had time themselves to uh, go into their more strategic and long-term uh, branding uh, issues.
0: This is really, I think, a good characterization of the culture of who they are. They sacrifice lifestyle and comforts that we typically in the West, I think, have been known to indulge and enjoy. And, and
1: I think they do it by passion and also they really do it because this, all this kind of first generation of entrepreneur uh, uh, in Europe, in the U.S., so many corporations, companies have been there for 30, 40, 50, 50, 60, 70, 100 plus years. In China, most of the companies are going to be state-run enterprise or first-generation entrepreneur, whether it's a small bookshop in the the street to uh, a multi-billion dollar company that were started 5, 10, 15 years ago by the founders who is still
0: running the show. Regardless of gender... Regardless of age, I found that in either city that I lived in in China, they were out. They were busy. Everybody had a side hustle. Everybody had a small shop where they were running coffee or convenience or toiletries or stationery or, or a barbershop. I, I just there was the amount of small business was just staggering. Um, and and you know, mom and grandma and grandpa, everybody were everybody was busy. I don't even know if I would say it was working, but they just were always busy doing stuff. They never stopped moving. What can we draw from this understanding or classification of just who they are as a society of people? What can we draw? What can we make of that as far as who they are as consumers? So
1: to come back to my earlier point, I think it makes them Therefore, demanding demanding customer because they they, as you said, they really try to optimize their time. So to come back also to the point of uh, on the lazy economy, and uh, I think their time is really precious. And therefore, they want great product. Uh, they don't like to waste their time, and 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 uh, that make them very demanding, very demanding customers, uh, which is. Fair i mean uh, uh, i don 't like to be cheated myself as a customer so 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 I think it's a fair uh, behavior in a way
0: are they forgiving if you if you hurt them if you, if you give them something that is not what they if you lie to them if you if you presented a product and said that this is how it 's going to be and this is how we 're going to make you feel and they don't get that and they feel cheated and now you 've lost them, can you get them back
1: I find lots of commonality between uh, Chinese and French. I mean, we are passionate, uh, we love food, uh, we love wine, we build circular relationship, we start to know each other, and then we know each other. I mean, we, we, we don't call each other honey the first time we meet and, and, uh, and hug yourself and, and so on. And, and therefore, we also maybe tend to take things more personally. So, so uh, uh, and yes, if a uh, trust has been broken, I think the trust is broken. So, 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 uh, um, so I think it's very, very important to, uh, um, uh, to be honest uh, uh, to, your, to, to your customers. Um, and then having said that, uh, as long as you're honest and respectful, I think they can really understand uh, there is a mistake as long as you take ownership and uh, acknowledge uh, uh, via the issue. So they can be forgiving if a mistake was not done on purpose and it'd be, it been uh, annulled. But if you try to hide it and uh, to cheat them, then yes, of course, they, they they will be upset.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much for that. And thank you for everything that we've discussed today. I, I really appreciate it. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, as we do sometimes with our guests, would there be a couple of people you might be willing to to drop their name on the show here right at the end? uh so that we can go to them and say hey louis you know he 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 mentioned that you you might be a great guest for our our audience and then we could try to leverage that into uh guilting them to come on the show and also be a part of this and join the family there are a couple of people you can think of that that our audience might uh, might like to hear from as well
1: yeah of course thanks again by the way for having me on the show so um a couple of the uh uh, french mafia in uh in uh in Asia that could be uh Interesting for, for you. Uh, one is uh, um, a good friend, uh, Thibaut Villette, who uh, who started uh, May.com, uh, who was acquired by uh, Alibaba. So it was a fast uh, sales um, um, uh, business. Uh, Thibaut, I think, would be a great uh, um, uh, speaker uh, for, the, uh, for the show. Uh, another one is uh, Pierre Poignon, uh, who, started, uh, who was the co founder of Lazada, who was also acquired by. Uh, um, uh, by Alibaba, uh, Pierre was based in uh, in Singapore now. He's back in Europe. Um, and then, for uh, the two last one, could be could be fun. One is uh, Arnaud Castel, uh, who started a beautiful uh, chain of uh, high end concept store uh, in uh, Hong Kong called uh, Kapok. Uh, super trendy, very, very interesting stores. Um, I mean, the last one, uh, uh, an amazing uh, uh, business lawyer called uh, Bruno Grangier, who has uh, a network of law firm in uh, Shanghai, Hong Kong, Beijing and and Paris, and who I think would also uh, bring lots of value to the show, uh, uh, helping entrepreneurs to uh, um, avoid uh, uh,
0: some painful mistakes. Yes, well, we all need to learn from the mistakes.
1: But if you can avoid them, it's even better.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, it, uh, who was it? Maybe Eleanor Roosevelt said, learn from the mistakes of others. You can't possibly live long enough to learn them all yourself. So, and I think she was absolutely right. But Louis uh founder and ex-CEO at Creative Capital. Uh, thank you very, very much for being on the show today. Todd, thanks again. Bye-bye. For everybody who's watching us on the YouTube channel and seeing our, our video here, don't forget, we do have the podcast, which is audio only. That's over on Spotify and Stitcher and Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts and all those places. So if you need your hands and eyes for other things, don't forget that we have the audio only version as well. And if you're listening to the audio version only uh, and you'd like to to see us, uh, feel free to go jump over to the WPIC underscore co, uh, the YouTube channel. Find us over there and watch us live over there. So for the week, for myself, for everybody at WPIC, my partner, Eddie, who helps drive this. Thank you very much for tuning in today. And we hope you enjoyed the show and we'll see you next time. Growing a company is hard. Doing it in a foreign market? Exponentially so. The best piece of advice I can give you is not to do it alone. When you start looking at the Asia Pacific region for further expansion possibilities, and I sincerely hope you do, make sure you choose the right partners to do it with.